What's up, church family? So good to see y'all. It is my first message of the new year. We had some health challenges in the family, had a stomach virus. Don't want to give you too much details about that. That was early December, um, but it was bad. Uh, uh, I definitely prayed, had my wife pray for me like it was bad. Couldn't eat anything. It was awful. I think I got it from Nelson. Not sure. But, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know. We, you know, let's just not call out any names. So strike that from the record as they do in court. I did not say I caught it from Nelson. So strike that from your brains. Um, and then uh, the your boy, the week of Christmas, I caught the Omarion. But I'm healthy. Yeah, you are. Hey. Do I look like I had COVID? I did. <laughs> um, it wasn't fun. And I know it's going around, but um, I, I'm believing God. Um, I'm, even ever since I caught it, I was like, you know what? Uh, God just put in my heart to continue to pray for healing. And so if someone you know is battling COVID, and a lot of the cases are mild, and so we can kind of like not, um, you know, take it seriously in a sense where there are people who don't have mild cases and there are still people out there who are getting really sick. And uh, But I believe it's a different time. I, I really want this to be a time where we believe for healing. Yeah. And I also want this to be a time where we do not say, I'm not going to be around people. And here's why. Because you got to figure out how to be around people in a way that's safe for you. But there is nothing more unhealthy in this season for us not to connect with each other. I truly believe that. And so, uh, although I am not excited about having dealt with COVID, uh, what brought me peace about it is I probably caught it from somebody that I love and somebody that I was trying to connect with and be with and love on. And so we have to figure out a way to be with each other safely, but we cannot just resign that we're not going to be around our families. We're not going to be around people. And you have someone who's immunocompromised and all that stuff. You get what I'm saying? Say, hear what I'm saying and not saying. Anyone that knows me knows what I'm saying. And if there's any trolls in the chat, you might get mad, but you get what I'm saying. You got to do what you got to do. But we really need to be committed to each other. And I'm really inspired by the early Christian church who, when there was a plague that there was no vaccine and no treatment for, uh, many of them went to care for people who were dying alone uh, because their faith told them that they couldn't let people die alone. And a lot of early Christians died in the first plague of the first century of the church caring for people. And I'm not saying that you got to go do something like that. But I do think that we should be inspired by that concept and saying, we're going to figure out a way to live the life that Christ wants us to live. We're going to have to deal with this and we're going to have to have faith. And so uh, maybe God was calling me to, 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 to do that and, and experience that so I could believe God for healing for our city. And so I've really been excited to come back because I really wanted to do this series called The Attitude of Christ. As I prayed for the vision of 2022, I really felt that our church needs the attitude of Christ, that God wants us to do unbelievably faith-filled big things. This is not the year to take off. This is not the year to slow down. This is the year to allow the grace to speed up our pace. I really believe that Clayton's, uh, Pastor Clayton's message last week was prophetic. And I was talking to Pastor uh, Jessica on the way down here. This season is the season for the burning. This season is the season who have been lit up by people who have been lit up by the fire of God. If you're not on fire for God, get out of the way so someone can light you on fire because this is a season of great harvest in every single area. And that's not just a church thing to say. I really believe it. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed. He prayed 
for laborers to send into the harvest. And he said that the harvest was right, but the laborers were few. And I really believe that God is saying the harvest is here. There are things he wants to do in our lives, but we need the attitude of Christ to do that. And the attitude of Christ really begins in humility. And so every single thing we do for Jesus has to be birthed out of our humility. Where there is pride, there can never be a move of God. And so I really want to read Philippians 2, two uh, verses 1 through 11. And then we're going to unpack this a little bit. And my prayer is not that uh, you would just be like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more humble, but that you would understand that without humility, we cannot experience true fellowship and abiding in the presence of God. Without humility, we can't experience the full favor of God. So if you're not humble and you're doing well, wait till you humble yourself. Wait how, how much more God can bless you with his favor. And without humility, we cannot experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so these are the three things that I believe humility will bring, uh, a true abiding, constant abiding in his presence, the fullness of his favor, and the power of his spirit in our lives. And so that's why we're doing this series. And I believe when we are, uh, it's all said and done, you will experience those three things in your life. So we're going to pick up on verse 1, Philippians chapter 2. It says this, is there any encouragement from from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate, then make me truly happy, this is Paul the writer talking, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. I think, uh, just to pause here for a second, when we talk about humility, there are a lot of things that I think we say that feed pride. You can do it. You're enough. You're this, you're amazing, you're awesome. There's one thing to encourage someone, but there's another thing to not understand that the human is bent towards sin. Because it said, Jesus gave up divine privileges. I want you to understand this concept. The worst thing that ever happened to God was that he had to be you. (laughs) Wow. So good. The worst thing that ever happened to God is God made him be you. God made him be me. He made him become human. He gave up heaven and came on earth as you. But the best thing that happened to you was the worst thing that happened to God because God paved the way by being you so that you could be him. Not literally him, but that the life of Jesus could live out through you. So the Bible says he became sin. What is, did he become human? He became sin. So you can't say he didn't become something awesome. He became sin. So Jesus became human, therefore becoming sin, so that you and I can become something different than we were before Jesus came. What is that? The righteousness of God. I'm already preaching. It says he gave all this up and he was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Jesus lowered himself. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name 
above every other name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We quote that verse in church a lot, or we say these things like, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord, and nothing will stand. Well, why did that happen? Why will every knee bow and every tongue confess? Because Christ humbled himself. And so God elevated him to a place where every tongue will confess and every knee will bow because Jesus lowered himself to a place where people weren't doing that. Ooh, this is good. Jesus didn't come to earth and everybody worshiped him. Jesus didn't come to earth and every knee did not bow and every tongue did not confess. The Bible says a lot of people didn't believe. He had half his disciples leave him at one point, but because he humbled himself and he took it, God elevated him to the place where one day at his second coming, every knee and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. And this was birthed out of the humility of God. We really don't pray to be more humble. We really don't. Because I think we really want to accomplish things in life. If you're like me, I would love to make more money. I would love to accomplish things. I would love to start businesses. And we really don't pray to be humble. But here's the thing about humility is a lot of people don't pray to be humble because they don't have the passion and the work ethic to to work towards a place that they have to humble themselves from. So then we're okay with being here and we call this humble, but this is not being humble where you don't got anything going on in your life. You never walked up to a person who's digging through the trash, uh, looking for something, and you say, how you doing? I'm just trying to stay humble. No, no, no. They're, they're already living a humble life. So there's got to be this moment where we are in a certain position. We do have a certain faith. We do have a certain skill or ability. We are accomplishing something and we go, wait a minute, this is not me. This is Christ in me. Paul said, I work harder than any any of you, but not I, the grace of God in me. What was he doing? He was humbling himself by giving credit to God. If you look at Daniel chapter four, the Bible says that Daniel, and this is a season where many of us believers feel like we're getting stripped of the right to worship, stripped of our freedoms, stripped of this. Daniel had his name changed to Belteshazzar, which was a slave name. He had his name changed from a Hebrew name to a Babylonian name. And he was, they, tell, they said he couldn't even pray to his God that they could only uh, pray to Belteshazzar and, and excuse me, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, in Daniel chapter four, stripped of his identity, stripped of his name, stripped of his temple, couldn't go to church. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter four stood on his balcony, looked over his balcony and said, everything that is in this kingdom, I have built in myself. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar went crazy because he had a moment where he wouldn't humble himself and he got prideful about all of his accomplishments. And in Daniel chapter four, not Daniel, he didn't go crazy, who had been stripped of his identity. Stripped. Daniel had been humbled and kept his sanity. Nebuchadnezzar exalted himself and went crazy. So we think, I'm going to go crazy if I don't get to do what I, what I want to do. I'm going to go crazy if I don't get that job. I'm going to go crazy if I don't know. No, the person who went crazy is the person who got what he wanted and took credit for it. Man. Woo! That's good. This is good stuff. So we don't pray for humility because humility is just kind of like, oh, we're humble. Okay, yeah. It's just a, like, do we ever compliment anyone for being humble? Mm-hmm. You're so humble. No. Because we're not impressed with humility. We're impressed with accomplishments. 
We don't say, man, that's really cool. You got 100 followers on Instagram. Like, no one cares. We care about people who are doing a lot, doing it big. And I really believe that God has created humility as the path to greatness. Humility as the path to the top. It's not that God wants to keep you there. The Bible says God exalts those who humble themselves. I want to put you in the place you want to be in. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so humility is going to be profoundly important for our church. And so what is humility? You're looking at it. <laughs> oh my God. Bang, bang. That is a great joke. New book will be in stores, Humility and How I Mastered It. In stores soon. This is good stuff. What is humility? Uh, I am not humility, so I I get it. I try. Um, It uh, comes from a Greek word, which means an inner lowliness where a person depends on the Lord rather than themselves. So one definition of being humble is you depend on the Lord rather than yourself. It means to be God-reliant rather than self-reliant, which ironically always exalts a person. Did you hear what I just told you? If you want to be here and you humble yourself here, it always exalts a person. One of the things that we have to get out of our theology is that God wants us to have something, but because people don't want us to have it, we don't have it. We think, yep, God wants me to have more money, but since they won't give me a raise, I don't have more money. God wants me to have that position and that title, but since this person doesn't want me to have it, I don't have it. No, 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 no. Friend, God doesn't want you to have it. Because if God wants you to have it, you would have it. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, we always say the word of the Lord will not return void. So if it's void in this season, it isn't the word or it's the word too early. Nothing can stop what God has for you. No oppression, no racism. If God says it's for you, it is for you. Somebody in this season is going to get something because they believed what God said, not all the opposition in their way. You have to humble yourself. Humble. God always exalts a person who humbled themselves. Another definition of, of this is the emptying out of the human ego. Uh, Martin Luther said humility is the joyful acceptance of God's will. One other theologian said it is to live in complete dependence on God. I mean, God has had me humble myself a few times. I've shared this story before. I will share it again. I was a, um, you know, serving in youth ministry, and there was this hot shot uh, uh, guy who was emceeing the service. They had asked me to step down from youth ministry for a season, and I was the hot shot MC hosting the service before I left, leading everybody in the presence of God, saying all the funny jokes. I get back from my little break, and now this new guy's doing it, and I remember sitting in the back going, this guy, I'm way better than him. Why are they having him do that and not me when I could do that? And the Spirit of God said, I want you to tell him you're hating on him. I said, excuse me? You go tell him that you're jealous of him and that he's called if he needs anything to let you know. And so I walked over to him after the service. I'm like, hey, man, while you were up there, man, I was like totally like just hating on you, saying that I was like better than you and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and I wish he would have gotten mad. It was so humiliating because he put, he was way younger than me too, put his hand on my shoulder and went, man, 
It's just tough sometimes, isn't it? And he started pastoring me. I'm like, dude, if you don't become a jerk right now, I'm going to kill you. You're making it worse. And I said, yeah, and the spirit told me to say, if um, uh, you need anything, let, 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 let me know. He said, it was crazy. I was just texting my roommate. I didn't have the rent. Uh, this month I was short, like 200 bucks. It's crazy. Yes, if you're down, that's what I need. I'm like, God, are you serious? Are you serious? And now me and my wife were, she was pregnant with Bailey. We were broke. In my account, I might have had 400. Called my wife. My wife, I said, hey, man, this is what happened. You got to drop 200 bucks off to this guy. The Lord told me to do it. And we ended up dropping $200 off to this young kid. And from I, two years later, I was the youth pastor. Now, I want you to understand this. Think about that. God made me humble myself. And then two years later, I was exalted. There was another pastor on our team one time. And by this time, I was, you know, uh, you know doing a little bit more than youth ministry here. And I had a birthday party. And I, I forget, I either had a glass of wine or a margarita. But it was just one. For some of you, you're judgmental in the chat. Oh, oh my gosh. You had a fermented beverage? Um, um, yes, I did. So he comes up to me and he goes, oh, I don't think you should do that, man. And I said, why? It's just one. And he goes, here's something I want you to learn. What leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. So you shouldn't do that in front of people. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. And so uh, he said, just think about it. Just think about it. So that pastor was, had been a pastor a very long time in our church. So a couple days later, he asked me what I thought about it. And I said, I thought about it and I just don't agree, but I will never do that again. And he said, if you don't agree, why are you not going to do it? I said, because I'm going to be humble enough to think that you've been in ministry long enough to know something I don't know. And he said, no wonder you have so much favor on your life because you're willing to do something that you don't understand just because somebody in authority told you to do it. That's humility. And so God took me on this journey of humility where I had to let go of my human ego. Everything in me wants to be right. People who know me know this, but I want to let go of my human ego and I want our church to walk before the Lord in a way where God says, I have got to elevate you because you remind me of myself. Another word for um, humility is, is contrite. That's a nice biblical word. Anybody want to know what contrite means? Contrite. Isaiah 51, 57 verse 15 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and the holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Notice that revival is attached to humility and contriteness. Contriteness is another word that is almost interchangeable with humility in the Greek or the Hebrew. And it's this word where, again, humility, that Greek word means reliant on God. Contriteness means that you have a sense of sorrow for the sin in your life. That's what that means. It's not a sense of condemnation. It's not a sense of, of, of you know, self-condemnation or guilt or shame. But we often talk in the church about not feeling guilty, which I hope you don't feel guilty about the things you've done wrong. We talk in the church about not, not feeling shame. 
and, and, and I hope you don't feel ashamed right now, but we never talk about feeling contrite. We never talk about being so aware of something you're doing that displeases God that you ask the spirit to help you change it. Amen. And the reason why we don't live this way is I believe that the enemy strategically brings the most outlandish, buffoon, crazy people in your life to go, there's no way that I should focus on me because that person over there is really tripping. Our government is going crazy. This person's doing this. And so he brings people around us. The enemy's very smart because he knows the favor that'll be released in your life if you humble yourself. So he brings people into your space that you deem to be worse than you and you focus on why God's not changing them or that and God wants to change you. God wants to change me. That is the contrite heart. God is with the person who says, Lord, I realize I have something in my life that is displeasing to you by the spirit of God. Will you help me transform it? That is the contrite heart. I don't want this. The theology of the person who's not contrite says nobody's perfect. Ah, nobody's perfect. The big deal. Doesn't matter. I'm going to cuss because nobody's perfect. And this comes from a person where, for me, I, God's been challenging me on this going, yeah, like you can get the big stuff like faith and grace and hope, but, but does it bother you that you have sin in your life? Does it bother you? Not does it shame you, not does it guilt you, not does it condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but do you have a sense of, I want this to be different in my life? Or are we always talking about what other people are doing wrong? Do you have a group of friends and every time you talk to your group of friends, you talk about what somebody else did wrong? Do you, do you talk about your boss? Oh, my boss. He just, the guy's probably been in the business 30 years. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just so stupid. It's just, oh my God. You just come over for your roommates. You're like, oh my gosh. My, I had this meeting today and it, oh God. No, Lord, help me change. Like we just put the focus on other people. And the Bible says this about the contrite that the high and the holy place. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. So, so watch this. We say the theology that God is with us, but you don't want God to meet you in the desert of your sin. You want God to be with you in the high and holy place. Yes, he will follow you to the club. Yes, he will be with you in your cussing. Yes, he'll be with you and you're sleeping with people. Yes, he's still with you, but that's not where you want God to be with you. He says, I live in the high and holy place and who's there with me are the contrite and the humble. So the question is not, is God with you? Yes, he is. He's with you everywhere you go. He will never leave you and forsake you. The question is, can we be a mature church that doesn't want God to be with us in that? I don't want my father to see me that way. I don't want my dad to be with me in that. I want my dad to be with me in a good place. So Holy Spirit, help me deal with my sin. That's a contrite heart. And the Bible says these two words are pretty interchangeable, uh, Bible scholars say, between the contrite and the humble, because you can't really be humble and you don't want to deal with your sin, and you can't deal with your sin without really being humble. So it's almost like these two words come together. A third word that's associated with humility in the Bible is meekness, meekness. Come on, does anybody want to be meek? Nobody wants to be meek. Thank God for meek meal, because before meek meal, nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to be meek. Meek is not a good word. 
Meek was not cool. We don't date meek men. You ever seen a girl? Ooh, girl, he fine. Like F O I N, he fine. We don't never like we we like we come on girls. Y'all know it's true. Y'all, ooh, girl, he fine. He fine. We don't never say, girl, he meek. It doesn't even. It doesn't even come out right. It doesn't. There's no ring to it. Like I don't even want my wife to say that about me. I don't want to hear my wife on the phone going, girl, my husband is meek. I don't want to be meek. But meek in, in English is like just laid back and super chill and everything's going to be okay. And oh, no, 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 not me. That's fine. No, you, not me. No, you sit there. I've just You know those people, they're so annoying. But, it, but meek is another word for humility. And, and Jesus says this about the meek in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth. So maybe you don't have to believe for anything. In t- what are you believing for in 2022? You don't have to believe for anything when you're humble, contrite, and meek. Because God gives favor to the humble. He exalts the, he exalts the contrite to the high and holy place, and the meek will inherit the earth. So everything you're believing for is in the earth. All you have to do is be humble, and God will exalt you. And if you're meek, you'll have an inheritance about something you're trying to work for. God will take something from someone else and give it to you because you're humble, contrite, and meek. Oh, this is good stuff. David got his kingdom because Saul was not humble. Think about that. David was king because Saul was not humble. And this word meek, again, do not look it up in English because in the Greek word, it is a word that means strength under control. It comes from a Greek word, prios. Prius. And it, the ancient Greek army would uh, wrangle wild horses and bring them in from the wild in order to train them for war. And, and not many of these horses possessed the strength or willingness to obey needed to be utilized by the Greek cavalry. Some were made into pack animals and some were discarded. But those that qualified after being broken, their pride and their resistance was broken. Those horses that were no longer longer unruly or rebellious or out of control, they were called war horses, and they called those horses the same word that is used for meek. It was a horse that had been trained that was not rebellious anymore, but it was no joke. Mm -hmm. It was strength under control. And now the war horses, the meek, the prius horse, would now charge into battle under control of their masters and maneuver according to its commands. And a meek horse was the one that kept its strength, but placed it under the authority of the one who tamed it. A meek person is a savage. They are playing no games, but they only do what the Lord tells them to do. What does John chapter five, verse 19 says? Jesus says, I only do what I see the father doing. That's all I do. He was under complete authority. Meekness is strength 
under control, power under authority, formidable determination in the face of constant onslaughts of the enemy, the humble willingness to do what your master commands. And this blend in scripture from the Old Testament and New Testament, depending on what version you read from, NLT, ESV, you'll see these words throughout the Bible, the, the meek, the, the lowly, the contrite, the humble. And it is really a holistic approach to what humility is uh, a reliance on God, awareness of your sin that turns into prayers for transformation, not guilt, condemnation, or, or, or shame, and then a strength under control where you, you are not exhausted. You are trained, ready for battle, but you are under the authority of your master. If we had these things happening in our lives, the Bible says that we are the inheritance, the earth is our inheritance, that we have favor with God, that we have his presence. What did I say earlier that I'm hoping what this series does is it help us truly abide in God's presence, experience the fullness of, of God's favor in our lives and the power of God's spirit. Yeah. We got to be humble. We got to be aware of our own sin and we got to be meek, which are warriors under the authority of their master. So we're, that means you don't get to fight a battle that God is not asking you to fight. And I think that's one of the biggest battles in the church is that we fight stuff God is not asking us to fight. Yeah. And, and this is wildly important. So if you go back to Philippians chapter two, which is the verse that we started in, this is the humility that Paul is trying to encourage believers to have. And interestingly enough, he talks about humility in a way that's a result of a few things that happened prior to the humility of Christ, the attitude of Christ hitting the church. And in verse one, he's basically saying, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And so that means that someone close beside gives you an encouraging word. The relationship needs to precede the correction or the encouragement. So many times in the church world, we have people who might be in a certain position who try to tell somebody what to do and they don't love them and they don't have any relation. That's corporate American demonic structure. The structure of the church is that we don't correct, we don't encourage, we don't even tell anybody what to do unless we are close beside in such deep, intimate proximity that the words are received like you're whispering to someone's ear. It is not like, hey, let me send you this email about what I think. It, it is, that's not encouraging. Encouragement is whatever you said while close beside that is either a warning or, and, it, and the Bible says that whatever you said would stand up in the court of God. It ain't your opinion. The court of heaven would go, Amen. That is no joke. You better watch what you say to somebody because it's got to stand up in the court of God. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Are you being encouraged that you belong to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? And love, not the world's version of love. The, the God's love is, is, is moral preference. It's preferring what God prefers. It's not compromise. And just let's just love people. No, it's Let's live a life that we don't compromise God's word, but we love people that maybe aren't there yet. And, and it says, is there any of this? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? And this is the thing that I feel like is destroying the church. COVID has had to stop fellowshipping with people. We don't, we're so scared to catch something. And I get that. 
But without fellowship of the spirit, you cannot walk in humility with other believers and your favor is cut off. So it says, is there any fellowship in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And then he says, therefore, do as Christ did, be humble. So in order for us to be a church of humility, there has to be encouragement that we belong to Christ. We don't belong to this party or that party. We don't belong to this job. We work there, but we belong to Christ. Is there any encouragement that we belong to Christ? God's going to take care of of what belongs to him. Is there any encouragement? You know what? This is a tough season, but I belong to Christ. Is there any encouragement that I belong to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? If so, then humble yourself. This is the environment in the church that creates humility. So I want you to ask yourself, are you encouraged that you belong to Jesus? We say believe, you belong to him. You are his and he is yours and he's gonna take care of you. If you believe and you don't know you belong, you will always be discouraged. It says any comfort from his love, any fellowship in the Holy Spirit are your hearts not tender and compassionate. And then he goes on to say in verse two that don't be selfish. If this is the case, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So his humility came from not clinging to something that he thought that he should have. He was clinging to the mission and the assignment that God had given him for his life on earth. And I'm telling you, there are certain things that it'll look like God's not doing it. But if you humble yourself and you're obedient to the assignment he's placed, and the Bible says Christ was obedient even unto death. If it killed him, he was going to do it. And it did. But the Bible says that now, because he did that, that God elevated him. And I believe that believers everywhere right now, this is my thought that I'm seeing as I pray, we're having this sense that God is trying to do more and give us more. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, com- to, to like move everybody out of the way that would stop that, move anything out of the way. And now we're trying to attach our faith to what we want God to do. And God's saying, I need you to attach your faith to being humble. Because that thing that God wants to do in 2022 is for the humble. It is not for the proud. The Bible says God opposes the proud and gives grace for the humble. God does not have that thing for a prideful person. So what God will do is he'll give you the prophecy and then remove your pride. Because the prophecy is for the future you, the one that is humble. And so if you have a word of the Lord for your life, if you, have, if you believe God's going to bless your finances, if you believe God's going to bless your career, if you believe God's going to bless you in your ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, he'll give you the prophecy and then remove your pride. Because at the end of the day, pride is chokes out prophecy of your life. I've seen so many believers forfeit the blessings of God over pride. So I want you to take a situation where you haven't walked in humility and I want you to do something practical. 
One of the biggest signs that you're not humble is you're not teachable. You don't listen. You talk too much. You always got to have the idea. You always got to be right. What is an area that you can humble yourself? And here's the crazy thing. It says, though he was God. So true humility comes out of true identity. If you're insecure, you cannot be humble because you don't know who you are. It said, though he was God, he humbled himself. So what does that mean? I'm God, but I'm going to humble myself. I'm right, but I'm going to humble myself. I should have that job, but I'm going to humble myself. Someone should have listened to me in that meeting, but I'm going to humble myself. The key to humility starts with being right. It's not wrong, hey, I really shouldn't cuss you out like that. I just had to humble myself and apologize. No, no, no. It starts with though he was God, though he was right, though he was perfect, he humbled himself. So the best opportunity to humble yourself is when you're not getting what you think you deserve. You think you're right. This is the time to say, you know what, God, if I'm right, you'll do it. I don't need to tell my boss. I don't need to tell this person. If you're, if I'm right, you will exalt me to the position to be able to do what's in my heart to do. I'm waiting for your exaltation. If I exalt myself, everyone in this season is being humbled or exalted. The Bible says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And in due time, he will exalt you. It's a promise of the Lord. So as a church right now, I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask the spirit of God right now, wherever you are, if you're driving, please open your eyes. But just ask the spirit of the Lord. Show me an area in my life where you need me to humble myself, which means to rely on you. Show me an area in my life where I need to be that biblical word contrite, which there's a sin in, 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 in my life that you want me to deal, to deal with, that you want to help me deal with it. Show me an area in my life where I've been weak, but not meek. I'm not ready for battle. I'm not ready to move forward, but under the direction of my my master, I want to be strength under control because I want to experience the fullness of your favor, the, the fullness of your presence and the power of your spirit. Show me the areas of my life where I need. Just ask God to show you and then ask him to help you. I really believe if we do this right now, we pray these prayers, Lord, would you help me? Would you reveal yourself to me? We will walk in humility and God's gonna exalt us, give us his favor, we're gonna experience his presence and the power of his spirit like never before. So God, we come to you and we ask you to reveal yourself to us, these areas of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like this one. one. I like this one. I'm gonna give you a little preview about next week's message because I don't want you to miss it. It is coming from the verse, um, ask, seek, and knock when you want something. And the Lord showed me that we ask, but we don't seek. I know pride we ask, but we don't seek and we don't knock. So, so we go, I just, Lord, give to me. And if he doesn't, we don't seek. We don't find a way for it to happen. Any obstacle that gets in our way, it's just, oh, you know, COVID, so... Guess we're not starting that church, and guess we're not doing that. Guess we're not going to do that because, you know, this is just season we're in. And, yeah, no, ask. That's the easy part. Seeking, that's the hard part. Knocking means the door's closed. How long would you knock on a door knowing that what's on the other side of that door is for you? 
you, you imagine how humble you got to be to go, I know it's home. It says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. And I have a prophetic word that you're only asking, but you're not seeking and you're not knocking because that gets with our pride because you know God's on the other side of that door. And it says, keep on seeking. And he, but you know I'm here knocking and why don't you open it on the, you ever see, call someone and they pick up on the first ring? Oh, you picked up on the first ring. And you feel like, God, God, you ain't gonna send me to voicemail. I ain't calling you back, you send me to voicemail. God will send you to voicemail in the spirit to test your humility. Yeah. Dang. Oh, this is gonna be a good series. So that's just a little preview of next week. Make sure that you, you share these, uh, um, you know, Message with a friend you want to encourage and definitely um, get involved in community, all the stuff that we're talking about. And it, when Brandon and Jamaica were talking about the offering, I really feel that if everybody online just said, hey, commit to giving one time a month to your church because you love it. This church has been a blessing to you. Return that blessing. What if you just, it could be whatever you want to start with, but just say there's going to be 12 times a year that I give to the church, whether it's $5, $25, $100, whatever God would lead you to do. I really believe that God together wants us to build his house. And so uh, I love you so much and can't wait to see you soon.